We went to we went to the Glen Ivy Hot Springs place for my birthday, <gasps> and we were you shaved your beard. Me and her, yeah, I did. He trimmed it. He trimmed it. I think it looks really I nice. Feel betrayed. No, he's me too. Trim trim this is trim actually this Look, is the weak spot. You guys are a gradient of trim, beard trim, right now. Trim. By the way, wait. I came out of the small, bathroom. medium, large. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. Every weekend, Pastor Matt, not every week, every week, Pastor Matt is bringing real answers to your tough questions from the Bible. I'm your friendly host, Justin Pardee. I'm here with Stephanie Super Sports Schaefer. Oh, what's up, guys? There it is. Wow. I came up with a nickname for Stephanie. <laughs> Super Sports Schaefer. Super Sport, because it's SS. Yeah, just oh. like my name. See what I'm saying? So she's no longer, really cool no longer quinoa. Yeah, exactly. I actually, actually, actually got her, her a Super Sport SKS. hat. SKS. True. Because she changed, she killed Dolores. I, I feel like calling her super sport because she puts up with the likes of all of us here at this table and she does mm-hmm. it with a great attitude because she's a super sport. Speaking of people Stephanie has to put up with, we got Holly Jolly in the house. Jolly Holly. Holly Jolly. <laughs> Tim oh, Holly is back here with that's us. That's officially his Christmas name. Holly oh, Jolly. Yeah. So Holly Jolly. So good to be back. Yeah, thanks for holding it down while I was We're uh, so glad you're out here. and about. We Are you guys familiar with the fighter Kimbo Slice? Heard of that guy. He's a yeah. really mm-hmm. big, strong man who knocks oh, yeah. you out with like a single punch. So if you think okay. of me as a big strong man ever, you could call me Timbo Slice. Okay. And I would you accept cannot, that. You cannot give yourself a nickname. I just wanted to offer That's before, the first yeah. rule of nicknames. Yeah. You, you cannot give yourself I got to throw a few more out no. before I can't ever yeah, be in well, this place that again. That one will never be an option. Yeah, listen now. to me, Tim Dog Millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not happening. Yeah. Timbo Slice. Jolly if I keep Holly. saying it, it'll happen. Did you guys know that there's an MMA fighter named Matt Brown? Oh, really? I thought it was you. No, it's not me. Different person. He kind of looks like me. Yeah, Mark Driscoll texts me every time he loses. It's so lame, Stay man. Humble. Yeah, and Stay he's not humble. real pretty. Cause I'm going to start calling you Tim Timony, Tim Timony, Tim Timaru. Well, and you I want to see you stick with that long for longer nickname. than yep. one time. And I would say, Justin, that since you've come back, you've done some trim, trimony, trim, trimony, trim, yeah, trim, trim to your I beard. Know. Yeah, I for those of you who are not watching online, <laughs> somebody shaved their yeah. beard. If yeah. you have not yet checked us out on YouTube, I need you to do this just to see from my angle that we've got a gradient of beards yes. right across from me oh, right yes. now. Right. From lame we've to awesome. We've got junior beard. Yes, exactly. We've got dad beard. Junior. Tim's beard is still at City College. It's got a... It's yeah. got about three years of credits. Yeah, yeah Justin got yeah. a bachelor's None degree. None of them are transferable. Yeah. I just got an yeah. internship no, and a big job. Tim's beard says, yeah. really, I am 16. <laughs> My beard looks at your beard and says, Dad? Yes. <laughs> I never thought I would have a beard this awesome. Uh, wow. Although, you know, okay, you for all of our listeners, listen, for those of you who hate it, like, keep it to yourself. It's amazing how many people want to comment on my beard. Come right, guys. Yeah. Get in the Bible. Staff yes. is back. Yeah. Wow. That's Mo- the voice Mo- of Jesus had a beard. Moses had a beard. They Come all on. had beards. Right. Come it was on. a sign of shame if someone cut or trimmed your beard. Yes. When mm. people wanted to ridicule people in the Old Testament, they'd cut half their beards off. Right. Wow. And they had to go back to a town and wait till they regrew yeah. so they could That happened to society. David's uh, servants, right? Yeah. Yeah. They had to hang yeah. out until their hair regrew. Yeah. Super shameful. That's wow. how I feel about my trimmed up beard right now. So I just want to. I know Justin's just been here quietly. Phone back in, like, guys. I'm gonna staring. I'm gonna be off the show for two more weeks till my <laughs> till my beard matures. Oh, it's like you got a bad hair. It doesn't look college. bad. It yeah. looks nice. I, and that's the it worst. It does not part. look nice. Well, oh. Oh, I think it does. Yeah. You guys are lying right no, to his face. No. It's no. Your beard was beautiful, and you killed it. Yep. Never single way. Yeah. Tell Seriously. our listeners wow. what your son said. Tell him. Oh yeah, he, he. Yeah, well, I came out of the bathroom after trimming my beard, and my seven-year-old Titus just says, "Did your mom do that to your beard, or did my mom do that to your beard?" 
<laughs> yeah, that was like Freudian slip there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh-huh. It's yeah. confusing. Did you? I got. Yeah, sorry. A lot, right. a lot yeah. of kids in the house. Well, Pastor Matt, we are. It's good to have a full table here. We're going to have fun Game's today on the debrief. We got a lot going on, right, Steph? We sure do. So, this episode is going to have some follow up questions from Pastor Matt's sermon from this weekend that was all about perfection, which was incredible. If you've not watched that sermon, I say stop this, watch the sermon. Mm. Pastor Matt, I'm going to say I'm going to say two things right here on the air. Number one, you nailed the prop use. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, had you. A, you had a chalkboard on mm-hmm. stage. That was mm-hmm. awesome. Also, I'm going to put it in your top 10 sermon of all times. Oh, time. absolutely. Really? I, was sitting I there might maybe even like put it in the top five. Five minutes in, I'm like, this is one of his best it sermons was so I've good. ever heard. It was so good. I love you both. It was so good. Yeah. yeah. We love you. You killed it this we weekend. Were, we were, I was at Marino Valley Campus this weekend. We were watching in the green room, mm-hmm. like the back getting ready to, I was watching with the band and we were like, on, we got up on our feet like we were in the choir. Mm-hmm. You better preach. Mm. It was so good. It was, it was, it was oh, so thank good. thank you. That, that fuels me, man. Mm. Thank you very much. It was a good one. So if you missed it, if you missed yeah. it, listen, put and a pause, a put a pause right now. Yeah, oh my oh yeah. gosh, man. Everybody who's out there celebrating their dads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ignoring their heavenly father. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> seriously. Like a seal, <laughs> Attendance was rough. My air horn is yeah. seal-like. That's yeah. all yeah. I So make sure so. to join us this weekend. Pastor Matt's going to be back at it again, and I think it's going to be incredible. Yeah. Yes. So. Oh, anxiety, man. This oh, is that what this yes. is Do not be anxious. Oh, yes. Oh. Okay. Dude, we should just uh. go through the rest of the summer in Philippians. It's so yeah, good. I'm down. Mm. Yes. Oh, I'm really, really excited is. for that. So this episode specifically, not only are we going to be talking about Pastor Matt's uh, sermon on perfection, we're also going to be talking about prayer. We have gotten a ton of questions in on all kinds of different things about how to pray, when to pray, what do we do when we don't know if God's answering our prayers. You guys have sent in a ton of those, so we're going to focus all on prayer this episode after we go through the sermon. And I want to tell you guys, we have a great contest coming up. What is this about? Contest. Yes, we are doing an iTunes giveaway. So all of our users, have, mm. all our you guys have to do is leave a review for us on iTunes. If you've been listening to the show from the be- very beginning, you know we used to do this and we want to get back at it. We need those five-star reviews. We do. So if you listen to the show on iTunes or you're in there, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review in there and tell folks what you love about the show. That helps us get more um, awareness, visibility, visibility. Yeah, in the podcast, you. in the Apple podcast directory. So yeah. please do it. Helps mm. people find us out. Exactly. So what we want you to do is leave a review for us on iTunes. Make sure you've hit the subscribe button on there too. We'll announce um, winners on the show and we'll also have it in our email and on all, all of our social media at D- The Debrief Show. And we'll let you guys know who our winners are going to be. What is our, what do, we, do we say what the prize is? What's the um, prize? We will be announcing that in the future. Oh, got you. Got it's going to be really good. All right. So you just have to stay tuned. There you go. Well, let's get into it. We do some questions, some follow-up from your sermon. Uh, this very this is a follow-up question from a couple of weeks ago. This one came in from Brad. Tim. Yes. I want to hear you read Brad's question with your voice. Boy, and, that was really a professional transition. Yeah. It's the only one I have. I will use go. my voice. Here we go. I'm closing my eyes, and I'm here we go, Brad. Let's hear what you have to say. Brad says, I've started to attend church regularly with my wife and a friend and his wife. I haven't been to church since I was a boy. During worship, certain songs get to me and send chills down my spine or goosebumps all over. My question is, is that God letting me know he is with me? And is he welcoming me back into his heart? Yeah. So Brad is his name? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, actually, Tim and I were just talking about this. Uh, Worship is intimacy. Mm. That's Mm. what it is. And so um, the the reason it's so important to worship God is it's the way we adore him. That's where the word adoration comes from. So if you think about a a relationship, like if you're a guy and you're with your wife or your girlfriend, you talk about how beautiful she is and how much you appreciate him, or or if you're a gal, how strong he is or how safe you feel. And, And obviously those are stereotypes, but those are just conversations where we adore the people that we love the most. Worship is simply appropriate adoration of God. And so when you come in and those songs are speaking to you, actually what the feeling is, is God inviting you into his presence. And that's what you're feeling. You're feeling the sensation of of intimacy with 
God. And uh, for those of you who are saying, I've never felt that, there's a thing called sin that we talk about. Our imperfections block us from God. And that sin can be things that we've done, something that we've done to someone else, or something that we're harboring or we're keeping from God because what intimacy requires is honesty. That's what it requires. And so when we worship God, we must be honest. We must be real because that's what God wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how he draws us in. So, so Brad, just thank God and uh, know that there will be seasons where um, you feel it and seasons when you don't. So uh, praise God that you're feeling right now. And absolutely, God welcomes you back. The Bible says that the Lord celebrates and honors uh, when a sinner repents and returns to him. I mean, literally it says there's a party in heaven. So that's what's happening. And uh, I encourage you uh, to keep coming and thank God and thank you for our worship team, our creative team, for the songs that they plan, they prepare, and how they perform them because uh, their gifts matter. And that's important and awesome. Excellent. Okay, so we're going to debrief your sermon from this weekend. You actually referenced this verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4, which says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant, and if they watch every cloud, they never harvest. And Joseph says, This verse that you mentioned in your sermon got my wife and me thinking about having kids, but we're not sure if it's realistic. We've been married for five years, and I've been in school pretty much the whole time until now, and the job search is dragging. We both decided to wait on kids till I got a job that could provide, because if she stopped working, my minimum wage job couldn't pay for our needs. Are we waiting for perfect weather? When do you know to stop planning and to have faith? Yeah, that's awesome. And thank you for all the details because your details help me provide an answer. So yeah, sometimes people are waiting too long and no situation is perfect. However, when you're making minimum wage, that is not the time to bring a child into this world because you cannot provide. And so you need to figure out a way to do that. So I actually think you guys are not waiting Uh, for perfection, you're actually using a thing called wisdom. And that's important. Uh, Bringing children into this world requires great, great wisdom. Um, I mean, I think the most difficult thing in this world is to raise a child. You know, we get, we get no expertise whatsoever, and it's far more difficult to raise a good kid than it is to perform open heart surgery. And yet an open heart surgeon has years and years of training, (laughs) right? To make sure that they don't kill somebody and we just get kids right away. And that's part of the reason that so many of us are dysfunctional Mm -hmm. and messed up because we had parents who weren't ready, uh, but their hormones were, and so we're here, <laughs> right? So um, that's just one of those things. So I would encourage you to continue to do that, or maybe you work it out as a couple and she continues to work and you stay at home if your ego can handle that and your wife is okay with that. So some couples you know, need to figure that out. Some wives are able through their profession, their abilities, their skills to make more money. The husband has to figure out if he can't, if his ego can handle that. Because mm-hmm. if your ego can't, you'll end up resenting one another. And oftentimes guys cheat because they got a lot of time, they don't feel validated, and it goes really, really wrong. Most men wanna work, wanna provide, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not being old-fashioned or whatever. I think that's how most men are wired. But if it's time to have a family and one spouse's career is taking off and the other isn't, I don't think it's a sin uh, to do that. I think that's that's actually called wisdom. So please don't... um, have a kid if your wife's expectation is to stay at home. And then let me just say that, you know, we've talked about expectations creating misery or mm-hmm. fantasy life. Ladies, some of you are never going to be able to stay at home with your kids. That's the reality because your husband cannot provide enough money for you to do that. And so you're going to be miserable mm-hmm. as long as you have that expectation. So what you need to do is you need to have your expectations based in reality mm-hmm. and just be honest about your husband's uh, level of ex- expertise, education, intelligence, skill set. All of those things matter because we're not all the same. We're not, we're not all equally talented. We're not all equally skilled. We're not all, 
uh, equally blessed with the environment that we grew up in or where we got to go to school or who we know and all of those things. And so you have to have honest, real conversations with each other and just talk about. When we started Sandals Church, Tammy supported us. She supported me for three years. She made way more money than me. And our goal was that within three years, the church would be able to support us. However, that was the dream. What if it doesn't work out? Then we gotta adjust and we gotta talk about, okay, plans have changed. It's okay to have plans. It's okay to have dreams. It's okay to strive for those things, but they're not written in stone. Sometimes dreams have to change, plans have to change. And if they don't, guess what happens? You're miserable, you're angry, you're passive aggressive towards each other. And before you know it, you don't even wanna be married. And then there's kids that you know get a split family because two adults couldn't have you know, honest conversations. It's way easier to have sex with each other than it is to be honest with each other. And so what you have to do That's is truth. learn to be real and talk about these things. It's okay to have dreams. There's nothing wrong with dreams. There's nothing wrong with hopes. But the reality is reality happens. Life happens. Do what you have to do. Uh, in Proverbs 31, what is the woman doing? Working. She's handling business. She's doing things. And her children, I mean, she's able to multitask. This idea that all women stay in the home and only raise their kid, that's a 1950s ideal. That's not a biblical ideal. I certainly believe that women should be involved in the raising of children. But some women, you know, can bring more value to their families through their expertise, you know, in the business world. And they can mm -hmm. do that. Um, but again, you can't do it all, ladies. You, you can't have it all. There's no such thing as, you know, I don't know what the, the saying means, but you can't have your cake and eat it too. Uh, and and I think what it means is once you eat it, it's gone. So you can't have both. Oh. So you can't continue to to hold on to it and eat it. And I'll tweet myself, <laughs> right? That's what that's what the saying I think means. I could no, be that wrong. That makes yeah. perfect yeah. sense. I've never so, thought about. It. Nobody thinks about anything. I know that we, we struggle, struggle with that phrase though. I don't need to have the cake. I just need to have have had the cake. Yeah. Right. But see, that, what it's saying is you can't have both. Right. Mm -hmm. And so and so we, and so we we want that, and that makes us miserable. And so quit quit wanting a fantasy marriage and a fantasy family and get a real family that lives in our real world. Look, man, we live in Southern California. Uh, California's economy stinks. Right. It's terrible. And it's expensive. Yeah, it's Relative expensive. to the economy. It's expensive. Mm -hmm. and, and, and California's basically a third world country. Th that's the reality. That's what we're dealing with. And, uh, you know, the geniuses in Sacramento don't have a clue. So things are not going to get better, right, right? right? We've got to deal with this reality and understand that it's really, really difficult to make it here. And so we're going to have to work together, which I think means a smaller house or maybe renting a house and, you know, figure things out, talk to each other. Um, but, uh, you know, sit down, write things out, you know, and and, and be real, be real. And, uh, and I think God will heal your dreams, your desires and set you on the right course. And so mm -hmm. I'll be praying for you guys. And again, Brad, thank you for the specifics. Your details help me answer your question. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate you being real and honest. And I'll be praying for you that um, you can get a job that will ultimately um, allow you guys to, you know, if that's your dream for your wife to stay at home. But it's okay if that doesn't work out. Right. You know, um, I raised our first two girls and I think they turned out pretty good. I don't know what you guys think. <laughs> oh. But I, yep. I potty trained two girls, man. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know a girl or held a baby girl in my life, man. I had no idea how to raise girls. And so I depended on God and the wisdom of others and Tammy's sister. And I did that, man. I changed diapers while my mm -hmm. wife was at work because that was what had to happen. So, um, and we did it and I love our kids. Yeah, so. totally. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so on this topic of perfectionism, as we've done some more of the self-discovery training here at church that we're about to roll out to the whole church, and we're really excited for that, um, and the fact that I've married a very observant person, I'm realizing that I struggle a ton with perfectionism. Like, that's one of the key traits of my personality. 
Um, you talked a lot about facing our imperfections, being real about our imperfections. What's a good way to be real about that? Because for me, at least, when I do that, I end up in this downward spiral of right. self-criticism, self-loathing. What are ways where we can face our imperfections, be real about our shortcomings without going into the downward spiral of hating ourselves? Yeah, so so understand this, that God does not expect you to be perfect. That's why we dealt with the Greek word teleos, be complete, be whole. Uh, and again, look at that context in Matthew chapter five. It's a tragedy that we've pulled that verse out of the context mm-hmm. of how do we love and we've put it into a moral category. So, so let me just say this. Jesus is saying we need to love better. How do we do that? We love like God does. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. Love in a complete, mature, whole way like God does and so we're striving for that. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. That's how you do. So you, you evaluate your shortcomings and we all have them. I mean, you're newly married. You, you're just learning to be uh, a bride, a wife. And that's not easy. You've never had to do this before. So you've got to give yourself grace. And perfectionists do one of two things. They, they create standards that others can't meet and they can't meet. And it makes it very difficult for A, you to be in relationship and for others to be in relationship with you if you're a person that struggles with perfectionism. So the first thing is, is give yourself grace and say, okay, I don't have to do everything perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's why the last point in the sermon was, life doesn't have to be even close to perfect to be truly happy. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a perfect vacation. You don't have to live in that. When, when Tammy and I got married, it was the, the, you know, the house with the two-car garage with the white picket fence, right? You're creating this picture of perfection um, and, and, and that's not gonna make you happy. So what will make you happy and where can you find happiness? And so the first thing is, is give yourself permission to miss the mark. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul is including himself in that, myself and every person with the exception of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is alone in his perfection. That That's just, I mean, that's why we worship him. That's what makes him amazing. Um, and, and we're not Jesus, and we need to let that go. Having said that, there's other people who use it like, well, nobody's perfect. Yeah, but you're an idiot. So that's another <laughs> thing, right? What is the direction of your life? Okay, so you blew it, but do you wanna change? Do you wanna be different? Do you wanna get it better next time? Um, you know, I, man, I said something to my wife uh, just the other week, and I immediately after I said, I said, I'm so sorry. Uh, not because I didn't say it perfectly, but because I knew I said it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I jumped in and I was like, look, that's not what I meant. You know, um, you know, I, I really appreciate you and I value what you're doing, but I gave myself grace, but my wife also has to give me grace. So um, again, don't look at sin as equaling evil. And I think that's what perfectionists do. So mm-hmm. any, um, any missing thing anywhere, right, causes us not to have fun or whatever. And so that's what perfectionism does is it ruins joy and happiness. And so, um, uh, you know, it's, it's called the missing tile theory that when you walk into a room with a ceiling and there's a missing tile, mm-hmm. you can't enjoy the ambiance of the room because there's one little thing missing. Mm-hmm. And that works in a physical building, but in an emotional and spiritual world, mm-hmm. that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I just think it's really, really important, especially, you know, if you become a mom, uh, there's no perfect mom, so you're going to no. mess it up and... You know, my wife struggles, you know, with perfectionistic tendencies and and life is very, very difficult. I've never struggled with what I would call perfectionism. I have had unrealistic expectations of myself and even those are deadly and dangerous. And so I would just really try to to sit back, utilize wisdom and say, what is an an appropriate, realistic expectation, right? Hmm. Um, and, And I think we should have some expectations in relationships. Like your husband should expect that you're faithful sexually. Emotionally, 
and spiritually faithful to him. That, I think that's a good expectation. And anything that violates that, I think throws the relationship in jeopardy. So, so some expectations are good, but I don't think it's a fair expectation to say that my husband will, or my wife will always meet all of my emotional needs and understand me every time because we don't understand ourselves. So give yourself permission. I mean, you just got to say this. I am not even close to perfect. That's what the sinner's prayer was this week. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is. He is the author and perfecter of my faith. And so my imperfection makes me perfect for Jesus. So this is why I'm a Christian. Um, you know, I, I, when I encounter atheists, they're, they're very perfectionist as people. They have a very, very high view of themselves. Mm -hmm. They think religion is a crutch because they don't see anything wrong with them. You know, who, who wears crutches or uses crutches? People with injuries. Mm -hmm. As Christians, we, we think we have injuries. So yeah, Christ is a crutch. And that's not a bad thing if you have a broken leg. So give yourself permission. That's what I would say. That's a great question. I just was wondering about, you know, uh, there's that famous verse in Romans 8, 28, for God uses all things, works together for his good. And I think a lot of times we think about that with like just evil or bad, bad things that happen. And I wonder if almost the idea of looking at, mi like missing the mark is also mm -hmm. just really is an opportunity to like learn, like God is doing something in that. You know what I mean? Right. There must be a purpose. So, you know, one of the, one of the great theological problems of the existence of a good God is the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. What I would say is there must be something good that evil produces in us for the next life. So, so here's the problem is we're preparing, you know, I use it like a sports thing. So, so imagine training for an event that you don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but your coach does. They're mm -hmm. gonna ask you to do some things and go through some things that don't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So we're experiencing things in this life that are preparing us for eternity in the next life and evil must have something to do with that. Right. Um, you know, when we look at the conversation between Satan and God in Job, Satan doesn't even seem to understand the game. He doesn't understand everything that God is doing. Uh, the apostle Paul says that the angels are watching us, that we have an audience that's watching. So what I believe is not only are we learning about God, I think angels are learning about God. They're learning about his grace, his glory, his goodness, about how he can bring something good even out of evil. He's, he's extracting goodness out of evil. And he's doing that through his own sacrifice and his own woundedness on the cross. Mm. And uh, that's part of the reasons why I think there will be such a huge celebration on the day of Christ, because all eternity will go, wow, mm -hmm. every tongue on earth, under earth, and, you know, and in heaven will bow at what Jesus Christ has done. Mm -hmm. Because he not only has brought life from death, but he has brought good from evil through his sacrifice. So, um, we just don't know. We just don't know everything. And that's why I always get a little weary about these books about heaven. Mm -hmm. We don't We don't know. We just know it's good. We know it's going to be awesome. And, uh, and quit worrying about what's not going to be there because we don't know what there is there. We don't know, right? It, it, it's going to be incredible. Um, and we don't know exactly how that works. So great, great question. Okay, so the last question we have um, for your sermon actually is coming from the community group discussion guide that you wrote this week. So I've got the Sandal Search app open here on my iPhone. If you don't have that, you can go to sandalsearch.com slash app and grab it. It's got all of the, the messages from every single weekend, as well as these discussion questions that Pastor Matt writes. And the first one says this, you asked us, how can the pursuit of perfection rob you of your joy? So and I was wondering if you can answer that question. How has the pursuit of perfection robbed you of joy? Oh, absolutely. So I, you know, if you take our self-discovery workshop that we'll be offering in the fall, I am what's called the successful person, the performer. And, um, 
you know, the performer's greatest critic is, is himself or herself. And so, um, like you guys said that, that, uh, that this weekend's sermon was one of my top 10. I would not have considered it that. And I think it's because I'm constantly critical of A, the size of people that have gathered. So I miss out on my best because I'm looking at the size of the audience. So mm-hmm. that impacts me and affects me. Um, and, and, and so it, it just, it robs me of the joy of doing my very best. And I think that's what honors God. What honors God is our best effort. Um, you know, we are not, we are not saved. You know, we, we don't earn our salvation. Jesus is, but our salvation is not opposed to effort, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. Do your very best. What glorifies our father is the same thing that glorifies a healthy parent. An unhealthy parent looks for perfection in their children. Mm-hmm. A healthy parent looks for effort, right? Mm-hmm. I want my kid to give their very best and do their very best. And so that's why, you know, if a parent has a child who has severe emotional or mental disabilities, right? They can celebrate mm-hmm. talking or they can celebrate reading and, 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 and there's beauty in that and, and you rejoice in that. And so when we have unhealthy expectations of our children, of our marriages, of our lives, of our money, we, 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 don't, we don't enjoy what we have. And so um, I, I think for me, you know, I always think that I need to be better. I need to do more. I need to pull more out of life. And what that does is it robs me from the experience of, you know, enjoying what I have done. And God, cause God has enjoyed that and he has celebrated in that. And so um, I just think it's, it's a really, really dangerous thing for those of us who are highly driven, want to be successful people, um, who, who, who feel a need to get everything perfect. Anything that falls short of that just, you know, in our culture in America, right? We don't celebrate second. We don't. <laughs> we call them losers. Yeah. Think about that. In our culture, the silver silver medal is losing. Mm-hmm. You're the second best human yeah. in this event on the earth, yeah. and you're a loser. Yeah. Well, what does that say about the other eight billion of us? <laughs> right? I mean, we just we just have such unrealistic expectations. Um, you know, if if you're a sports fan and you always expect your team to win, mm-hmm. you're always going to be bummed. And you know, and that's why there's a lot of miserable sports fans out there because. <laughs> No team wins all the time. And, um, you know, um, you know, expectations, you know, even diminish when you get what you want. Totally. If you expect mm-hmm. it, you're not going to celebrate it. And so one of the things we haven't talked about in our, in our series is gratitude is what brings joy. Mm-hmm. Expectation is what brings misery and heartache. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we need to be gracious and, and thankful. It's why we're so, it's so important, you know, that we thank God for our food because we don't live in an era where we don't have food. You know, go back and watch Netflix and watch millions of Europeans starving. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about Germans. I'm talking about French. I'm talking about Italians. I'm talking about, right, these are first world countries, very wealthy people. You know, go look what happened to Japan during the war. We have no idea. Just two generations ago, people starved in mass. Yeah. We have no idea how, how, how blessed we are. Um, and, and just have an attitude of gratitude. God, thank you for this food. Thank you for my house. Thank you for all that you've given me. And and you're going to be a much happier person. And if you have unrealistic expectations, um, you're going to be a very, very miserable person. And so a lot of people confuse expectations with effort. You know, do your best, be a competent person, have confidence in yourself, but you can't expect to get the job. You can't expect to get the raise. You can't expect to be promoted because when you're not, you don't know how to recover. It's like we watch these sports people, right? They expect, 
you know, to make $200 million and anything less than that would be a slight to their family. Right. And you're just sitting there like every generation of Browns that have lived in the United States, mm-hmm. you know, for the last two, we've not made $200 million. When you total it and all pro- and probably the next, you know, 200 years, we will not make $200 million. And this guy, you know, who dribbles a ball, mm-hmm. um, who probably can't even count to, you know, right. 200 million, it feels like it's a slight because, you know, it's just, you know, the Lakers are getting ready to pick this weekend. All these young players, these 17 ages, I want to be the greatest player who ever lived. I'm like, really? <laughs> Why don't you win a championship? I mean, their expectations are so high. Life's going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're being, you're being talked about being the first or second draft pick, but that's not enough. Your expectation is to be, I mean, we, we are so out of control with expectations. And this is why social medias make us miserable because we're seeing what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, television and technology have brought great harm to us because in the 1940s, when you were poor, you didn't know any better. You didn't cross the tracks. You didn't know what rich people had unless you worked in their house. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden this thing called television has been invented. And then there's movies. And then all of a sudden now there's the internet and we have just, unbridled access to the wealth that these people have. And all of a sudden now it makes what I have look miserable. Um, you know, the statistics prove that there's more fights on aircraft when people have to walk past first class. Oh yeah. You yeah. Know that? I've seen that. So what they, I don't know why they do that, you know, board the planes from the back. It's mm-hmm. the stupidest thing because people are miserable when they see how someone else is living. Mm-hmm. And, and, and think about it. So you're taking this vacation. You've saved up. You bought this coach ticket that you can't afford. You're so thrilled until you look at the, the rich people, you know, yeah. the fat cats in the front seat. And you're like, oh, I hate all them. Mm-hmm. And now you hate your service. And mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just so, so sad. And so we, we need to lower our expectations to a realistic level and ask yourself, is this realistic? And this is why a lot of millennials, you know, what is it, under the age of 30, 30 and under millennials? They're miserable because they expect to be CEOs. They all expect to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. It's like, you can't even program a computer. Why, why do you think you're going to be Mark Zuckerberg? I mean, I mean, how many Mark Zuckerbergs has, has uh, Harvest, well, has uh, Harvard. Harvard produced, right? One. One. And so, but everybody expects to be that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's an unrealistic expectation. Most of us will need to work for somebody else. Most of us will need to have somebody else be creative to provide a living for us. That's how most people live. And yet, you know, everybody thinks they're going to be a rock star. Everybody thinks they're going to be this or that or, or famous. And, um, you know, and it's so sad. You know, every time they, they interview a, a movie star, they, they say, I just always knew. Well, why don't they interview the other 100,000 people waiting tables <laughs> in Hollywood who also know? They, yeah. that's, why, that's why they moved, you know, and, and they can't. They can't ever shift gears. And that's why, you know, you have 50-year-old waiters in Hollywood because they can't come to the grips with it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has to happen to someone, but it usually isn't you. Like someone has to win the lottery, probably won't be me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm not playing the lottery, but if I did. Uh, buy you a ticket? Statistically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not even going to get a number right. Right. Yeah. But people expect, you know, it cracks me up when we, we, did our, we built this building, we had to raise $5 million. People gave us lottery tickets. How many thanks? Thank you very much. <laughs> right? You could have just given us the dollar, but instead you've given me a piece of paper we have to now throw away. <laughs> Thank you. Or at the very least, we got to drive down to 7-Eleven see, yeah. see what's up. Yeah. Great, great question. Uh, so again, realistic. So if you didn't watch the sermon, go and watch. And I, and I, I work on the chalkboard. Just the, Really what we're talking about is expectation. Put in the word fantasy there because mm-hmm. that's what our expectations are. They are fantasies. 
We even say this, my dream is. Mm -hmm. That's a fantasy. It may become a reality, um, but, and even this, a lot of our fantasies for happiness won't even make us happy. Like a lot of people, you know, I want to make lots of money. Okay, but we know that wealthy people are miserable. Right. They have bad relationships. They So we need to define what success is, which is why you need to go back two weeks ago and listen to the sermon. It requires wisdom. Give me wisdom. What will make me a happy person? Being the pastor of the largest church in the world will not make me happy. But having a great relationship with Jesus and my church, my kids, my community group, that, that brings happiness, regardless of the outward success that, that people count. You know, we, it's so sad in our society, we only count fame and money. Well, those are two categories of probably about 10 categories that do bring happiness. And, mm-hmm. and fame, we know, brings less. And money oftentimes brings less because people treat us differently. Mm-hmm. So those things actually don't bring happiness. They seem to detract from it, but that doesn't stop any of us from shooting for it. Right. And so, um, you know, there's just there's a great deal of happiness that can be found not being famous mm-hmm. and not being wealthy. And, uh, and we need to trust God in that. So, because if we had to be happy, uh, if we had to be rich to be happy, I think God would make us all rich. Mm-hmm. Jesus was poor. That's what Philippians 2 says. He became poor for our sakes. He yeah. emptied himself of everything. So, obviously, Jesus agrees. Great question. That was like a 30-minute mm. answer. Well, speaking of trusting God, we have a lot of questions about prayer mm-hmm. that have come in. I was hoping to have the greatest transition in the all-time podcast history, and I'm Yet unrealistic expectations. Yeah, it was. It was That's an, just going to lead to misery. Wait, wait. Dude. It was an you okay wanted transition. to have the greatest transition in all of podcast history. Yeah. That's a great example of fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Well done. You gave the greatest example of fantasy yeah. of how not to do it. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Well, guys, we have some questions about prayer for you that yeah. Stephanie's put together. Maybe they'll be okay. We don't <laughs> yeah, really exactly. know. Yeah. No, the questions are great. We got a whole bunch of questions <laughs> yeah. all about prayer, and and Anne's might turn it all around. It might lift the segment. Yeah. Our hope, our hope should be that these questions are moderately helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mild We're not going to promise a lot yeah. here, guys. We're hoping yeah. for some decent answers. So yeah. Anne, Anne writes in, I watch you every Sunday live and then the archive sermons every morning while I'm getting ready for work. Whoa. The church I attend, no, very devoted. Uh, the church I attend offers prayer at the end of service like Sandals does. My husband had throat cancer and the radiation treatment left him unable to swallow. I would go after service and ask for prayer for God to restore his ability to swallow again. I started feeling a little weird going down and asking for the same thing week in and week out. Is it okay that I just pray myself for this request or am I supposed to continue to ask someone to pray with me too? Mm. Yeah, so that's a great question. So here's what I would say is if you have gone forward um, and, and your husband has been, let's say, anointed with oil, so this is what the Bible says, take your husband to the elders of the church and have him anointed with oil. If he can't swallow, then then you have your answer. The answer is is no. And so what I would say is, okay, God, my prayer would then shift to, what do you, what do you wanna teach me in this? Mm-hmm. What, 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 what do I need to learn in this? Because they're, they're Intimacy, A, can be derived from you and your husband through this process of suffering. Remember, suffering must have some value. It must, because we all endure this at at some level. And, uh, you know, suffering uh, causes us to to choose. I, I ran into a pastor last year in North Carolina who had throat cancer, and he was given a choice in surgery. We can save the part of your throat that allows you to speak, or we can save the part of your throat that allows you to swallow. We can't do both. Mm. So he has foregone food. He does not eat food. He feeds himself through a tube because he is unable to swallow because he felt like preaching was more significant oh. to him than eating. Mm. Think about that, Justin. Mm-hmm. 
I'm looking at you. I'm yeah. praying for this guy yeah. right now. Can you imagine? Yeah. Wow. But he felt like that was his calling in life. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, he cannot swallow. So he he still has use. He's still right thriving. Praise God. Um, you know that your husband's alive. Mm-hmm. Throat cancer kills a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Let me say this, Christians. Throat cancer kills most people. Most people. It's a very very deadly form of cancer. It's a very very scary form of cancer. It kills Christians, non Christians, Muslims, atheists, Buddhists. That's what it does. Um, we can come to God and we can ask Him to change our reality. Right? Mm-hmm. That's not fantasy. That we, we can ask God. The Bible says we can ask. However, we always get an answer. So this is, you know, so now maybe you go back and you say, well, I don't have a piece about not asking. Okay, well, maybe the Holy Spirit is saying there's something else that, that you can learn through the process of asking. But I believe when we repeatedly come forward for prayer, usually what that means is something needs to change in us. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say is, God, what, what needs to change in my heart? And part of that is, think about the serenity prayer, accepting the world as he did, mm-hmm. as it is, not as the way I wish it would be. I think it's fair to say, I wish my husband didn't have cancer. I wish my husband could swallow. I wish those things were true. Man, I wish, you know, children didn't die. I, I, there's a lot of things that are wrong with this world. How did Jesus embrace the world? As it is, not as he wished it would be. And so we have to trust God that we are going to be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy in the next. So what you need to pray for is, God, how do I find joy in, how do my husband and I find joy in the midst of his suffering? How how do we do that? Look, what you're going through is a hardship. It sucks. Mm -hmm. There's there's no way around this. It is, you know, it was Father's Day last weekend and uh, one of the, um, one of the, uh, some of my friends that went to Israel with us, I said, hey, what's going on? And she just said, well, we're just really having a hard time. And I said, what happened? And she says, uh, you know, my, my ex-husband, her, her daughter's dad died this week. We found him, you know, or, or mm-hmm. it had been a month, but we're just really struggling. And it's Father's Day, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. And so they're processing the loss of their dad. Listen, death, suffering, cancer, these things happen. And, we, and in order to be happy, we have to deal with that. Part, here's part of the reason that we're miserable. We expect that no one gets sick. We expect that no one dies. We expect that there is never tragedy. And that's why many of us are so miserable. You know, listen, the Bible doesn't tell us why there's evil. It simply tells us there is. So we were talking earlier, we have an expectation that God will reveal to us why there's evil. Mm -hmm. God doesn't owe us an explanation for everything. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't. That's part of worship. I I don't understand everything about God. And he doesn't, he doesn't owe me an explanation. And people who think God owes them an explanation, they've reversed the role. They think they're God. Yeah. And God is their puppet. Mm. And so, so just say, okay, I have some unrealistic expectations. Where does gratitude come from? My husband could have died. Right. He could be dead. I still have him. I can still enjoy him, love him, celebrate him, even though our life has changed. Like I was praying with a guy in our church who just had prostate surgery. He can no longer have sex with his wife. Sexual intimacy is off the table in their marriage. Mm. And I, I just asked him, I said, I said, how are you dealing with that, right? That would be something that would be very difficult for me and Tammy to go through if we couldn't be sexually intimate. It's something that I enjoy in the context of our marriage. However, our marriage is not over if we can't have sex. Mm-hmm. We, we have to find new ways to love each other and be intimate uh, and grow in our relationship. And I would much rather have my wife uh, then lose her. I'd much rather have her and not be able to have sex with her than to lose her. Yeah. And so 
God is allowing me to learn that there are deeper levels of love in that situation. And that's what the guy said. You know, he said, he said, look, man, we've had a great sex life. We had a great life. Um, that was part of our past. And this is where God has us now. He just had a great attitude. He just said, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful it didn't kill me because some guys die of prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's the reality. Be thankful that you have your husband. And and again, don't have the expectation. And this is where this is where the prosperity gospel, those churches are the devil because they create an expectation that you can name it and claim it. And then you have a bunch of disenfranchised people who named it and they can't claim it because it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I want you to have faith that God could heal your husband. Yeah. Absolutely. He can. I don't know if he will. I don't know if he will. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't I think it's I think it's okay to expect that God can. It is unhealthy to expect that God will. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is the separation. We don't know what God is going to do. Cancer, usually, when it's aggressive, dangerous, it usually kills people. So that's why it's deadly. Right. And, and that's why it's dangerous. And um, you know, we, we need to trust that God has also given us minds and resources and incredibly intelligent people that can work on improving these things. Medicine will never be perfect. Again, back to those expectations. It will. Mm-hmm. It's called the practice of medicine. <laughs> and if you don't know this, they're practicing on you. Yeah. So they're trying to figure it out. And um, you know, it's 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 not a perfect science, and no science is perfect. And so, so again, just say, God, how can I be reasonably happy in the midst of this suffering? You know, I mean, this doesn't even compare to what you're going through. But you know, I've had eight knee surgeries. Um. My son and I, when we talk about planes, he has no category for why I can't do what he can do because mm. he hasn't had eight knee surgeries. Mm-hmm. His knee hasn't blown out twice. Like he, he doesn't understand that. So I have to find reasonable happiness knowing that I cannot do physically what I used to do. And so for a while I was miserable. I was depressed because life changed. And a lot of athletes are when they experience injury because they have to now find reasonable happiness, reasonable athleticism based upon the injuries that, have occurred in life. And we all are injured emotionally, physically, things happen in our life. And we can either deal with those head on and say, God, how can I find reasonable happiness in this? Like some of you have gone through a divorce. You never expected to get divorced, which I I don't think is an unhealthy expectation. Mm -hmm. I don't think you should get married if you expect to be divorced. Mm -hmm. However, you are divorced now. That is reality. You got to find reasonable happiness. Some parents have lost children. No one expects to lose a kid, but it can happen. Mm-hmm. And when it does happen, how do I find realistic happiness in this life, trusting supreme happiness in the next? God will make all things new. Let me ask you this question. Last year in, in the show, we went through Luke 15, and there's this story, the parable of the persistent widow that Jesus tells. Mm-hmm. As I remember it, kind of the moral of that story is really keep persisting in prayer. God will hear you or something along those lines. As I'm listening to what you're saying now, which is ringing true to me on Anne's behalf, it almost sounds like you would say, Anne, keep praying, but and even about this and through this, but maybe shift what you're praying about. Well, I, I think she, I don't think she has to shift what she's praying about. She has to shift her expectations. Okay. Her expectations are probably God will, and they need to shift to God can. Mm-hmm. That's what she needs to shift. And so as long as she is, th- then she's going to have to deal in her own heart with, what if God says no? Mm-hmm. Is he still good? Can I still trust him? Because he's allowed someone that I love and care about to die. Well, that's why we have to go back to the cross. Has God ever allowed someone he cares about and loves deeply? Has he ever allowed them to die? Has he ever allowed them to suffer? Yes. Why did Jesus Christ suffer and die? Because there was a greater purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
we need to go back to the cross. The cross is the center point for our faith. So is God, and, and some, some, just so you know, some atheists, they, they think God is ridiculous because what loving parent would ever allow their son to die for a bunch of idiots? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Literally, atheists say that. Well, there must be something about God that we don't understand yeah. because I, I don't know that, well, I know, I would not offer up my son for you guys. There's no way. You know, I, you know, I mean, that's okay. I, I just don't want to do that. I mean, I love, I love you guys, yeah. but just not that much. Yeah. We're not expecting that. I'm not going to kill Ethan for you. Yeah. You know, and so that's what God allows is Jesus to die for us. And so there is something good that can be found in suffering, which is back to Romans 8. God will work all things to good for those who love him and called, are called according to his purpose. Remember when life's not great, read Romans 8. And so what Romans 8 says is that God has subjected the earth to a curse. That's what Romans 8 says. So that he can heal things. And he's doing something that is bigger than what we can see and, and, and understand currently. That's great. Great, great question. I love awesome. you. Hope you keep listening. And uh, I'll keep praying for you, man. Yeah. This next question comes in from Julie, and it's a pretty simple, practical question about how to pray. So she just asks, how should I pray to God so he will hear me? How do I know he is listening? And how do I know he will respond? Right. So, okay, let, let's take that question. So what was the first part? How do I know God how will hear me? How should I pray so God will hear me? Yeah. So this is how we pray so God will hear us. We pray in and through the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is our mediator. We got a great series coming up uh, that's called Supernatural. It starts in July. And it's all about how God helps us pray. Mm-hmm. And um, it's all about how God mediates that entire process. So Jesus, so you know, in the book of Job, and I don't want to steal this from his thunder, Job says, if there was just a mediator to present my case to God. Mm. So that's in the Hebrew Bible, Job. And Job's just saying, what we really need here is someone to talk to God for us. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so let's go back to our, our other way. How did Job experience that? Through suffering. Can I just, something that's super interesting to me about that is the the Bible reading thing that I'm doing this puts the, I'm reading the Bible chronologically or yeah. whatever. And I guess that Job was one of, it's like one of the earliest books. It's yeah. interesting mm-hmm. to hear that. And this is like way before any of the other stuff we even hear in the Old Testament starts happening. Right. Like from the very beginning of humanity, Job is saying we need a mediator. Right. Mm. Um, yeah, no. And he's right. Wow. So we need somebody to talk to God for us. Yes, we do. So who is that? It is his son. Mm. Jesus Christ mediates our complaints, our wants, our desires to God the Father. He is f- channeling our prayers through him. So, and this is, this is, how do I know he hears me? I know he hears me because of his son. If I have repented of my sin and placed my faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is my Lord, he is my savior, and he is my mediator. He argues before me, he argues my case. He listens to my case. He is presenting it to God. And so that's why I pray in Jesus' name. So now to the last part was, how do I know that he will respond? Yeah, how do I know he's listening and how do I know he'll respond? Right, so we know that he hears us. Um, and and there's, there's just tons of scripture that talk about how God hears us and, th- and that we can know. And Jesus reassures us that we matter and that God cares and that we can come before the throne. So I would read... Uh, uh, Hebrews, because Hebrews says that we can come boldly yeah, yeah. before the throne of God because Jesus goes before us. So he covers our prayers. Um, he makes sure that they get there. You know, our prayers are protected. He makes sure that we have good cellular service with God. <laughs> right. Jesus makes sure all of that stuff. So here's the tricky part. How do I know that God will respond? God always responds with one of three answers. Yes, no, or wait. Mm. Yes, no or wait. So I hate it when people say God didn't respond. He always responds. He always answers us with yes, no, or wait. Mm-hmm. And usually 
um, usually I have found God um, has said, wait for me. Sometimes it's been no, because there's things I've prayed for and asked for that later on, I'm like, ooh, that was dumb. Um, but God has said yes. You know, I, you know so I, I have experienced God say, yes, I have prayed over a dying 13-month-old boy in Vietnam, and I have asked in Jesus' name, please bring this boy back from the dead. And for those who were listening, I was in a, a, a surgery room, okay? Mm-hmm. I was in a hospital in Vietnam, in a surgical room. The surgeon had, had given up, walked out. There was a fight taking place between the Vietnamese government doctor and our doctors over whose fault it was that we killed this kid. I mean, as I walked in, the heart surgeon said, there's no hope for that kid. He has not had, he's not been breathing for like five hours. Hmm. One of uh, our doctors at our church was airbagging him, if you don't know what that is, but he was airbagging yeah. uh, this kid to keep his heart and lungs going. So it was bad, bad, bad news. And I prayed in Jesus' name and the, and the kid was instantaneously healed. I saw it. And one of the doctors with us said, it's just like the book of Acts. Now, you need to remember that People read the book of Acts and assume that that stuff happened all the time. Right. The book of Acts covers a large period of time and it points to the highlights. Mm-hmm. It wasn't happening every day. That's why those stories are in there because they were miraculous and they were amazing and they were incredible and they wowed and inspired the church. And so those things don't happen all the time. That's why they're called miracles. They're not called everydayers. <laughs> they're called miracles. And so we don't live our lives for miracles. We live our lives for Jesus. And we need to know that and trust that and live for that. And a lot of people that live their lives for miracles, are they're not living for the Messiah, they're living for what God can do for them. And so what that means is you you love the gifts of God, you don't love God the giver. And you and that's, that's idolatry, that's not mm-hmm. Christian worship. And mm-hmm. so we gotta come back to that and trust God. So how, God always responds, yes, no, wait. And the problem is a lot of us say, um, you know, God didn't respond when it was no. I don't think we hear I don't think we hear no audibly well. No. You know, mm. nobody likes that. <laughs> yeah. Right? No but no one children don't like that, you know? Yeah. I get to see the 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 response to the no that face yeah. many times a day. Yeah. Nobody likes it. <laughs> well, and, and and because children have unrealistic or stupid requests. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Can I eat candy all day? No. Mm-hmm. Why do but, you hate me? Yeah, but that's that's why, you know, but but a lot of our prayers are like that to God. Mm-hmm. God, I want candy every day. I want to live on the beach and have a job where I don't have to hardly work, but make great pay. Mm-hmm. God, I want to never get sick. I don't want anyone that I love dying, right? And we're all motivated for to pray for the healing of people we love, but people die every day all over the world, die horribly. And it doesn't affect us at all, mm-hmm. at all. And then it's our kid, it's our friend, it's our loved one. And then you go to a hospital and you find out there's all kinds of people that are suffering. Right. God loves all those people just like he loves you. Um and we got to trust that. Yeah. So, yes, God always responds. Julie, there is a fantastic song called Mediator by a band called Ghost Ship. We'll mm-hmm. put it in the show notes. And uh, it's one of those songs I have in my regular listening, like my, you know, when I'm thinking about Jesus playlists. You should uh, look it up. It'd be a good song that talks about a lot of the stuff Pastor Matt just said. And you can listen to it, be encouraged about who God is, and maybe then well, go pray. I have a question. What do, you, what do you guys think if I put my new Porsche next to Touchdown Jesus? Oh, absolutely. Because that's like yeah. an answered prayer. <laughs> like I've been asking is. God for a Porsche and, yeah. and he bought me one. Here it is. Here little, it is. Little blessings. In your hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A Porsche Carrera GT. Man, God's got the whole world in his hands. Yeah. You he now have all of your, your dreams. Your, yeah. Your Porsche so I've always wanted a Porsche and someone from our church bought me one. It is a Hot Wheels Porsche. <laughs> yeah. But it, uh, I call it a starter Porsche. It is currently wrapped in plastic. Yeah. For yeah. safety. I it's actually loved to Hot Wheels it. when I was a kid. So I loved the them 70s, as a grown man. Hot Wheels were awesome. Give, listen, our, listen. give our YouTube subscribers a look at, oh, the, yeah. look at the car. It's pretty cool. 
if uh, if you want to relive some of your just like Hot, Hot Wheels greatest memories, you slide on by our house. We got a lot of that orange track. Yeah, my kids didn't like Hot Wheels, man. I loved it. Well, you had girls. Yeah, train for child, boy. dude. Yeah, yeah, you're potty training girls. Yeah, we had a lot of pink. We had a pink yeah. Jeep. Yeah, well, oh yeah, yeah. Never, I didn't see that coming. My future. Uh, well, we got a lot of those. Okay, another question. This one comes from Mark. He says, Pastor Matt, you've talked about praying with your wife several times in the past. Can you talk about what works best for you and Tammy? Such as, when do you pray? Yeah, we pray right before we go to bed. So that's typically what we do. So um, um, I just do this with my family. Like for example, my daughter just got back from Vietnam. She was there for three weeks. We were not allowed to contact her, which drove me nuts. Um, and so whenever I was feeling anxious or worried about her, and you're going to hear this in this week's sermon, so please sound surprised. Literally, if I was driving in the car, I would ask my son, hey, can you pray for Kennedy right now? How about? <gasps> Is that when we're supposed to sound surprised right now? Oh, no, no uh, this weekend. No, this, this weekend. Oh. So I want them to act like they didn't hear yeah. me say this. But that's what I would do. Whenever I was feeling anxious about the safety of Kennedy, mm-hmm. I would just say, hey, let's pray for Kennedy right now. Uh, if I was by myself, I would pray. Uh, I would ask my son to pray. We would pray for you know, her at dinner or whatever, because she was outside of my control. And that's what we, that's what causes anxiety is when things are outside of our control, which mm-hmm. everything is outside of our <laughs> yeah, control. News flash. Whoops. Why news we all, flash. Yeah. Which is why we are all so anxious. Tim dog millionaire. Right. Yes, I'm looking at are. you. Yes. Yes. We are, so, we are all anxious. Yes. We are all. You. I hope um, we'd all dive in on that. So, so that, that, that's what I would say is, is, is try to find a time to pray. Like, so for me, like I read my Bible. Um, I try to read my Bible before I leave the house. So mm-hmm. I have a chair that I sit in. I read five chapters of the Bible every day. Now I'm not saying you need to do that. My job allows me to do that. Um, right now I'm in Psalms. I'm in the hundreds. They're super long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you it got takes, Psalm 119. Yeah, 119 yeah. is spending like yeah, an so hour. It takes, Plus four more chapters Yeah, that's that. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Psalms 119 is tomorrow. So, um, which is a great Psalm, right? Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Good. It's it's I, like I try all to do the things. Lord of the Rings movies in one. Yeah. So typically, yeah, in Judaism, Jews prayed three times a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once in the evening. So there was three pr- calls for prayer. Muslims still do this today in Muslim communities, uh, not in America, um, but um, in the Muslim world where there's a call to prayer. Now, most Muslims do not answer that because it's just not conducive to life anymore, but some do. Um, but, you know, take a couple times a day and just pray, stop and pray. And so I pray by myself whenever I feel prompted. Uh, just, just regular. Like when I was walking in here for the debrief, I want to, you know, get that land across the street. And I just felt God say, pray. So I stopped before I walked in here. It's like a hundred thousand degrees outside. And I just prayed because we need a miracle to get that land so we can park more cars mm-hmm. here at the Hunter Park campus. And um, just, just be praying all the time. You know, whenever you are feeling anxious, that's a great time to pray. But Tammy and I pray right before we go to bed. It's something that we do. Um, and um, I think, I think it helps us sleep. I mean, right. Just because you don't ever know if you're going to wake up, man. So I, I just, yeah. I love, I love to just say goodnight to God in case I have to say good morning. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things yeah. that I did, um, one of the things I've been doing for almost the last two months, I, I put a separate little, in my phone, I put a separate little reminders list for daily prayer. And I have, I've been doing it uh, every single day. It starts at six, nine, 12, three, six, and nine. Mm. And I pray for, I, I just kind of mix it up. I pray for wisdom humility and then my marriage mm-hmm. um and uh-huh. then it, it kind of goes back through my my uh reminder actually went off while we're in here and we're recording and you were answering a question and i paused and was asking god for me to have more wisdom mm-hmm. because those are some key areas but I'm, I'm a little bit different you know like i'm i kind of have a bit of a stubbornness to me so i'm not necessarily going to be sensitive to oh i need to be like oh, this is a great moment to prayer or whatever so for me forcing those reminders in my face and then sticking to them uh, has been really helpful too so yeah absolutely anyways. 
That's really great. It sounds like you're, I don't want to steal anything from this weekend because you're talking about anxiety and worry mm-hmm. and what to do in those moments. But it sounds like even when you're experiencing those emotions, you're using those as a prompt to pray. Yeah. That they lead you into a relationship with Jesus, which we mm-hmm. often say we don't want to feel those things. And we would ask that the Lord would spare us of those things in, in this situation. It sounds like that's even something that's driving you into relationship. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. That's and you're, you're going to hear this weekend why I think anxiety is essential for a relationship with God. Oh. So. Okay. I actually, I actually think we need it. So that's good. Yeah, I guess that's why I need to have a reminder on my phone because I don't know how to feel my feelings. But Pastor Matt is, he's, he's, yeah, he's learned yeah. how to, yeah. he's learned how to do there's that. There's less, there's less. For those of you who yeah. are not robots, <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. So Pam writes a great question. Uh, she says she was saved 20 years ago at a Pentecostal church where uh, she was exposed to praying in tongues during service. What is Sandals' belief on this, and when and where is its use appropriate? Yeah. So uh, again, so there are, are close-handed issues at Sandals Church um, where we have unity. So one God, one Bible, um, you know, one way uh, to be saved, and that's Jesus Christ. And so, we, you know, we're not open to discussion on that. Uh, you know, in the news this week, uh, Bernie Sanders criticized a born-again Christian for saying that he believed um, Muslims will not go to heaven unless they repent and place their faith in Jesus Christ. And Bernie Sanders actually said there's no place for that in America, which if you're a Christian— that's fairly frightening mm-hmm. that our faith, there's no, and I'm not, I'm not here to, there's idiots on the left and the right. What Bernie Sanders said was stupid. That, that was stupid and he has no idea what he's saying. That's what we believe. We, there's one way. Yeah. And it's not to say, um, you know, that we don't love Muslims or, or care for our Muslims, brothers and sisters. We disagree about how to get to heaven. Yeah. All religions do. Welcome yeah. to reality. They have that belief um, about us. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know that that's absolutely essential that that we that we maintain and hold that. So I just lost my train of thought. Hit me with the question again. Uh, what is Sandals' belief on speaking oh, in tongues and yeah, when wow. and where is it use appropriate? Yeah. So we have closed hand issues and then we have open hand issues. And speaking in tongues is one of those open hand issues. We have people at our church that do that, and that's great, and that's appropriate. Um, you know, uh, here, here's part of the problem. You know, with the tongue speaking issue is we don't know really know what it is. And, you know, we're going to, my charismatic brothers and sisters are going to freak out. We don't know what it is. We know when people think they're doing it. So what we have to exercise with tongue speaking is we have to exercise discernment and wisdom of the spirit. Just because somebody is making sounds doesn't mean they're doing what Paul says, mm-hmm. right? I don't, I, I think tongues is a great way to spiritually manipulate people. And so you have to be very, very careful mm-hmm. with that because oftentimes tongue speaking looks supernatural, but it's very natural. It's very mm-hmm. normal. And what I mean by that is they're faking it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that's tragic. Um, I have good friends of mine that speak in tongues. I believe them. I trust in them. Uh, I believe that tongue speaking is predominantly needed when there isn't a common language, when there are barriers between the ability to speak. So we see this in Acts chapter one and two, they are people from different places and they don't, and so they say, why is it that we are hearing each other in our own tongue? And so it's a communication issue. And so what does tongues do? According to first Corinthians 14, it communicates that the gospel is going forth to all nations. And that's what it is. God, he's getting Jews out of their comfort zone and he's getting them to reach people of all nations, all tribes, all tongues. And so the Holy Spirit can do that. He can supernaturally communicate when there isn't a common language. And so I think it's super essential for that. When you are gathered with everybody who speaks English, my question is, why wouldn't you just communicate in words that are discernible, which is what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 14? Just use normal words. Why, Paul says, because there are non-believers present and you don't want to freak people out 
that don't know what's going on. And if you want to freak out lost people, do that. Like I, I have a friend of mine that uh, 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 she fell off a roof and I love her, love her to death, broke her ankle, almost snapped her leg off. And I have my, her, her nephew, who's my friend, is not a Christian. He says, he says, he says, Auntie so-and-so, she hit her head and I, I, I think she's, she's gone crazy. He didn't know what was going on. Well, what she was doing is she was praying in tongues. Mm-hmm. That's what she was doing. Well, her nephew is not, he's like, she, she hit her head, something happened, right? He's, free, she's freaking out. And I'm yeah. like, no, 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 she, she was she's she was praying to God and, to and that's what was happening. It was a very, very frightening experience. And so we need to remember that oftentimes, especially if you're charismatic and you do that, it weirds people out. And so, um, and I certainly don't judge my auntie and she, she listens to this and I love you. I'm not gonna say your name, but you know who you are. Um, <laughs> you know, but it was a really, really frightening experience. And so, you know, use discernible words. Um, if that's your tradition, I would encourage you to do that. Um, we could do a whole series on this and, and my experience. I got a hilarious story yeah. about me going forward to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the prayer was quite awkward. I remember this. <laughs> so, but, so, 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 so let me just say this. There isn't a huge place for it at Sandal Search. We just, we just don't utilize that gift. And so what I would say, if that's something that's your passion and you just are all about that, you probably want to go to another church. And I don't want you to leave, but... We just don't utilize that specific gift because it's really, really hard to control. It, it, it just, if, if you look at it, it's most talked about in 1 Corinthians 13, 14, 15. And what was it? A problem. problem. It was a huge, huge problem um, because the enemy likes to trip us up. And um, so I think it's biblical. I think it's real. I think it's really hard to tell when it's authentic mm-hmm. and when it's not, it's easily faked. And I, I've seen it used manipulative. Um, I mean, anytime you start, people start saying, I'm a prophet, I'm this, I'm that. You know, we had a prophet show up to our church, you know, and I always love these prophets that don't go to church anywhere, but they're telling every church everywhere what to do. If you hear a person like that, man, they are they are not from God, okay? There's no itinerant prophets who don't exist in the church. You need to be under the authority of a local church, working with a group of people that are discerning your spirit and challenging you. You don't get to be your own little traveling church. That's very, very dangerous. And, and just anybody who's not in a church be careful, mm. be very, very careful um, because God didn't call us to be independent. He called us to be dependent with each other. And so, so that's just what I would say is, is we don't use that heavily here. And, and again, I, it's just one of those open-handed issues if that's you and, and God utilizes that. What I would say is use it in your private prayer language. And I think that's fine. One of my good friends uses that on a regular basis and, and I trust him. I believe in him. He's, he's been a, a minister to me, a mentor to me. Um, I, just, I just don't utilize that. I just don't. So. I, I, I kind of sometimes wonder if people, because some people seems like they really feel like they have this strong gift of tongues. And I almost wonder if here in the Western church culture, where we're not actively, you know, doing what you said, like in the book of Acts, like reaching out across cultures, we just kind of have put this thing in the box that we understand. Because when, when we went to India, mm-hmm. you guys went the week before me, but did you guys meet the guy who like had the crazy language guy or whatever? Mm-hmm. Where he could just like learn any yeah, language. Yeah, yeah, he, like, yeah. He like said- I think you met him. Yeah, he, he said- He could like pick up like any language. Totally, like, so it was absolutely crazy. Super and he, guy, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he's like, yeah, in high school, I took Spanish class, but I didn't really take it, you know? like. Yeah. And then he went on a, a trip to Mexico with his church missions trip, and he's just out there talking with everybody, evangelizing, mm-hmm. sharing the gospel, all those other well, things. And here's my, here's my he problem. He knew like eight languages yeah. in mm-hmm. less than a year. Yeah. yeah, here's my problem with a lot of these super charismatic churches is they're really small. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- they're just really, really small. Now, not all, but most of them are radically small. And, and, and when, you, when you look at the gift of tongues where it shows up first, which is in the book of Acts, is it is used for evangelistic purposes and the church going forth and people being saved. Mm-hmm. That's how it's used. So 
Here's the problem. As we say the gift of tongues and some of you are freaking out, it, the Greek word is glossalia. And guess what it means? Hmm. Language. It's the gift of languages. It's not the gift of tongues. The word tongue is used to describe language. It's the gift of languages for the communication and proclamation of the gospel. Now, Paul does reference, if I speak in the tongues of angels, it means the languages of angels. So some people say, well, there's an angelic language. I don't think that's what he's saying. He's saying, even if I did, yeah, but I don't have love. Language, yeah. If I don't have love, then I'm just, I'm a gong. I'm not making any sense. Mm-hmm. And so um, Paul wants us to make sense, to be clear. And I believe that, so, so Sandals' church is not a cessationist church to make that clear. So what does that mean? It means we believe we don't believe that the gift of tongues has ceased. We believe that it's real, it's alive. The same miracles that were there are here today and that's important. However, uh, most miracles are needed on the front lines. And where are the front lines? Where the gospel is going forth and light is penetrating darkness. That's where it's needed. And, and that's when we need to utilize that so we can communicate and declare the gospel in such a way um, that it's powerful and it's crystal clear. And so that's my opinion. It's not a closed hand thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully I haven't been you know, um, offensive to our listeners. And again, use it in your private prayer language. I think that's great. Pray for me in tongues. I welcome that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not negative about it at all. I just find it not useful when we all speak the same language. We, we need to... Uh, speak from the language, which is English, and communicate to each other. So, Okay, we have one last question on prayer. This one comes from Frank, who says, why do we pray for the health and safety of others if we believe they're going to heaven and we know they are a believer? If heaven is a wonderful place that we all look forward to in a way, yet we pray for the health of others to stay here, is that a selfish thing to pray for? No, absolutely. It's, It's not. And here's why. You and I, although we will go to heaven and that's going to be awesome, we're not designed to live on heaven. And so a lot of people don't understand when you read the book of Revelation, it's not us going to be in heaven forever with God. It's Jesus coming to the new earth to be with us forever. Mm. We're designed to live here. You know, we're not supposed to go up into the clouds. There's going to be a new heaven and there's going to be a new earth. Mm -hmm. God will be in heaven and Jesus will be on earth with us, ruling and reigning and everything will be perfect forever. Mm. And you know, like I, I follow on Instagram this uh, this this uh, site, and it's it's really cool ocean stuff. And there's just this woman that drives me crazy because she's always swimming with great white sharks. And I'm like, this. Hey. Does it, you guys remember the crocodile hunter? Most young people don't yeah. remember the yeah. crocodile. Yeah. Like the, everybody, Steve everybody Irwin. knew that was going to end badly. Like there's yeah. no way. Yeah. Well, and the new Earth, man. We. I, I, I would have thought it would have been a crocodile, not a stingray. Yeah. In all fairness, yeah. yeah. Oh, or a fashion the way police, he dies. Those shorts brutal. Are really short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been stung by a stingray. A and let me tell you, come on, tell Tim. Sorry, I've been stung by a stingray. It hurts so bad. It wow. injects a protein in your body that's that burns. Like nope. imagine a bee sting times hundred. No thanks. Mm-hmm. It went completely through my toe. Crikey. Yeah. So Crikey. there you go. Oh my gosh. Um, but there's going to be, we're going to have a chance to live on a new earth. And and Isaiah says that there are children present. And so we, you know, we don't know exactly what that is. Uh, I, I tend to think that people who've lost the opportunity to raise their children will have the opportunity to raise them and be with mm-hmm. them. I mean, that's one of the ways that God's going to take away that pain and that suffering and that loss um, because he's going to give us back the things that we've lost. And the things that we've lost for his sake, we get back a hundredfold. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that are living for this earth that are going to be very, very disappointed in the next mm-hmm. because, man, the, you should sell out now so that you can enjoy it then. And mm. and and that's what, you know, again, the prosperity preachers don't get is I do think that we will be rich. I do think we will have lands. I yeah. do think we will have power. I do think we will have authority. And that will come on earth, the next earth, and it will be fantastic. 
and uh, it's going to be a beautiful place. We still get to enjoy culture. You know, Indians will still be Indians. Europeans will be Europeans. Chinese will be Chinese. You know, uh, uh, Hispanics will be Hispanic. And, and you see that in, in Acts, or excuse me, in uh, Isaiah chapters, I think it's like 60, it's in 60s. Uh, you see that, I just had a Bible brain fart, like, sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, um, <laughs> it's in the latter chapters of Isaiah. Uh, we see that that different cultures are coming to bring their offerings before mm-hmm. the Lord. So we still maintain our culture. Mm-hmm. We still maintain our identity. Uh, I don't know what gender will look like. I don't know what family like will look like. You know, Jesus says that, that the marriage is gonna look different. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be different. I don't know how that, that's how we're gonna relate that way. It's gonna be different. Um, you know, and for every person that's sad about that, there's going to be a lot of people that are rejoicing in that because not everybody <laughs> has had bliss in their marriage. Yeah. You know, what do you do if you're Mormon and you hate your marriage? Hey, oh, yeah. we get to do this forever. That's yeah. great. Whoops. You do, do you at least each get your own planet? Yeah. I don't know. That's a whole nother set of questions. <laughs> like yep. single beds? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that was a good question. Oh. So, um, wow. <laughs> That's good. Well, yes. it's, good. it's a great place to end and focus on everything we did right here today. So yeah. much. Really. Probably the greatest episode of this podcast ever. I think this is the hottest episode that you we've guys, ever had. I'm looking at my, uh, it's yeah. 104, 104 degrees yeah. at in this, this moment. Room. The yeah. air has been in off this, this whole room. time. We're up to 82 in here. Yeah, so. we turned off the air That's right. for you, our beloved yes. listeners and viewers, fans of the show, Debrief Nation. Yeah. We wanted we to sweat sound up in here. as yep. perfect and pristine as possible in here. So I did an interview today and the dude was... He was sweating so bad during our interview. I almost got him a towel. Oh, poor guy. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, scary. like I was like, listen, this you, guy don't want, is you don't want to interview the, with the lead pastor on the no. world's hottest day. No, all at the same time. Yeah, people say that I'm intimidating, and I you don't are. think that I am. I am not. Well, you can come across as very intimidating. You can't help it. You can't you, help it. It's the you position. You focus really well on people, and it can sometimes come across as you staring into their soul and Directly. knowing. All I their am secrets. staring into your soul. I know. I know. Most we people are not used to that level of relational intimacy. You know what it is? I think in our culture we don't look people in the eyes anymore, and I do. And it. it yep. Yeah. Yep. So Those crystal clear blue eyes. Do you, do you feel like I stare at you? Yeah. <laughs> you you are staring at him oh, right yeah. now. Yeah. You are staring You're at him. Literally right staring. You stare at me. Yeah. Yeah. Remember how when I've we learned yeah. to like it? If you, I've learned to it's like, like it. She says, like, "Oh, Elena's yeah. abused." She's like, "Yes, I've, I've learned, learned to like, to like the it. uncomfortable <laughs> stare downs at Sandals Church." Hold on, I remember yeah. there was this period of time well before I came on staff here at Sandals Church. But Sandals Church office was at the same place that the company I worked for. We were on the same floor, right. and uh, I remember one day you came down and you just were in our office. I'm sitting there working away at my laptop computer, and then all of a sudden someone just starts giving me a shoulder rub. Was it me? Yeah, I look up and I was like. <laughs> This is Pastor Matt. You you knew everyone that was in the office, and you know, you would stop by and say hi every once in a while. But I was yeah. I was very intimidated, and oh, yeah. I received it because you've got you know the hands of an Iron Man placed mm, them upon yeah. my shoulders. Yeah, but at the well, same time, that I also didn't. Yeah. Can be a little inappropriate. So I'm sorry. Yours, about well, that. yours wasn't well, okay. Yeah, if you remember when I first started working here, Dan Zabardi would always tell you like you notice that Stephanie is backing away when you talk yes. to her because you would like you lean in because you're like trying to be focused, and I'm like ah. I'm scared. Yeah, yeah. So, Bethany Cordes dude, thing used too, to yeah. like turn like fifty thousand shades of red. When oh yeah, I we call that purpling. She purples. Yeah, yeah. She purples. Yeah. Let's wrap this up with some. I apologize that I'm dropping real names. Can we like leave <laughs> yeah. those out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Anyway, we've yeah. got some great words of affirmation we're going to wrap up the show with from Michelle, Aww. who says, I've been listening to the podcast online for a while, and I just want to say thank you for making this resource available. Uh, you're welcome. 
Yeah, you're welcome, Michelle. It has been such a helpful tool in taking my faith to the next level after being on a regrettably long hiatus from church. You guys make a pretty fantastic team. Well, thanks. Hey. And I love how you tackle Tim, and approach this, these tough this questions. This is a pre-Tim submission. I think this me. came in during Tim's reign. I don't know so. about that. My reign. Yes. I like Jeez. that. Yeah. Stuff. The reign of Tim Since, Dog Millionaire. Yeah. Since yeah, we we call your tenure. Tough questions with truth, grace, love, and a side of wit and humor, which we did in the middle of her review. Oh, so thanks, guys. Side. Yeah, she side. says, if I was posting this in the iTunes store, I would definitely award you with a five-star review. Hey well, if you had posted that in the iTunes store, we would definitely be considering rewarding you with our prize. Some sort of anonymous yeah. prize. <laughs> our secret prize to come that we will be telling also, you guys Also, listen, about Michelle, I read, your, I read your question here. And unless you, Stephanie you just Keen, said I reindeer. I, well, yeah. I read your question here. It's not Christmas I yet. reindeer, I reindeer so far away. Nope, that was, oh, that was so bad. No. Let's, let's bleep that out. Listen, <laughs> Stephanie. Thank God. Uh, you're Michelle, Michelle, unless Stephanie edited your question here, I just want to say you've got very great grammar, punctuation, and all those Fantastic. other kinds of things. She does. You should join the team. So yeah. uh, just... Uh, if you're interested, Michelle, we'll take you. How do you do that? I don't know. How do you join the team? It's been a while. You can uh, go to sandalschurch.com slash teams. Uh, you can look for our debrief support team there, or we are going to be doing some new jobs up there for editors and writers. So there you go. you'll see those coming soon. For now, folks, if you want to see the notes from this show or any of our resources. Bible verses, songs, videos. Glorify. Yeah, we'll see if we can get stuff. that uh, video of Tim up on the show notes. Oh, man. Uh, just go to debrief.show slash 70, and we will have all those great resources for you there. If you want to get some content to share with your friends, the best best way to do that is to follow us at debrief show on instagram facebook and twitter we'll post some quotes from the show there and let you know when the episodes go live make sure to follow us there and share what we have to say there of course we always appreciate it when you guys support sandals church mm -hmm. and help us do everything we do here uh, including the debrief if you want to do that and let us know you're supporting because you're a fan of the debrief especially those of you guys who are not part of sandals church on the regular you can uh, give so easily all you've got to do is pull out your phone right now and text give debrief Debrief. That's give debrief, two separate words, to 951-900-4120. And I'm going to tell you guys something. This is only going to be relevant if you're Whoa. listening literally this week, like between Tuesday and whatever this weekend is. If you love Sandals Church and you love all the cool things that God is doing for us around here, just pray that God... Uh, just pray on Sunday morning that God does something really special for our church, and we have hopefully great things to be sharing with you guys in the future yeah. as uh, God continues to uh, help us with the vision here at Sandals Church and spreading that out as far as we can. Just yeah. pray for pray for beautiful things to happen on this Sunday morning here at Sandals Church. And if you're in the Inland Empire, we'd love to have you join us for a service. So head to sandalschurch.com for all the service times That's that right. across all of our five locations. Yeah, we have five locations all over the place. Five locations. Well, you know what? One, one more tip. Well, let me say this. So oh, yeah. people, first. when I ask people what campus do, do you do you go to, they always say, I go to the one that you're at. <laughs> Every campus shows my sermons. Yeah, yeah. So just so you guys, if you can spread the word, every single campus is showing mm -hmm. what I'm preaching. And, and some people say, well, I want to see you live. The truth is 90% of our people at Hunter Park are looking at the screen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, the screen provides better clarity. Uh, it's more real. Yeah, good lovely beard. Zoom in, yeah. Mm. Um, and I can stare uncomfortably into your yeah. soul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. yeah, I was at Sandals Church Marina Valley last weekend. It was awesome. And I'm going to say this right now here on the show too. I'm going to be at Sandals Church Marina Valley this weekend. <gasps> the first two people to come up to me, uh, the, the first person at each service, before each service that says, hey, I love the debrief or whatever. I got a special debrief. I'll have something for you. Yes. And yeah. compliments his well-trimmed beard. No, don't yeah. say anything about the beard. It's a painful time in our life right now. Give us but a come, come say hi to me at Sandals Church Marina Valley. Yeah, don't talk to me about the beard. Hour. Wow. Just talk to Pastor Matt. Look at his beautiful beard. 
There it is. One more time for YouTube. Yeah, mm. check it out, YouTube. And you can, all, you can also stare into their eyes on YouTube. Oh, yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Hit them with the full pass from that intensity. Stare, stare you. <laughs> okay, that's fine. She's uh, funny because, yeah, she always she always acts like she did something wrong. You're like, oh, God. Well, because you, like, catch me in the tractor beam. Yeah, it's because of her perfection. <laughs> she knows she did something wrong. I know. Mm. Yeah. She knows she's imperfect. <laughs> short. Yeah, so you do guys, I. Don't forget, uh, my, uh, my phone alarm is about to go off reminding me to pray for Stephanie. Yes. Oh, oh fantastic. 